fucking Lucic. Milan Lucic. Now, I know we've been talking about, we're going to cut the swearing out, but <laughs> Milan fucking Lucic. What is this? You're on a whole nother planet today. I don't know. At first I was saying shit to start the podcast. Is it now the Kratom? Now I'm dropping the F-bombs. It's the Kratom. I'm telling you, it's the Kratom. <laughs> okay, so yesterday, Bill Peters was on the Fan 960, and I think it was Klein asked him, where do you see Lucic slotting in? What's your plan for Lucic? And I mean, not like he was going to say anything else. Not like he was going to say, oh, we're going to play on the fourth line all year. He's going to sit in the press box. He'll be lucky to see any minutes at all. Yeah. So, I mean, he said what anybody's going to say is... Yeah, like, what's he going to say? But anyways, if you missed it, Bill Peters said that he's going to... He sees him slot into a a mid-six role. Middle six, yeah. And he's going to get some time on the top line with Monty and Johnny. I imagine it's going to be the same thing he did with Neil, where... Every time Elias Lindholm kills a penalty, the first shift out yeah. where Monty and Johnny go, it'll, it'll be with Lucic. And you know what? I don't mind it because I want I want to see any and all possibilities. Well, you know Bill's going to try any and all possibilities. And honestly, that only helped us last year. Yeah, that for did, sure. That never backfired once. No, and he will go based on merit. Like you saw with James Neal, right? So Yeah, and the, and the, actually the opposite, like... Compare that to Glenn Galdson. Lucic would be on the top line for the rest of the year. No there, questions asked. I think the reason why we had so many comeback wins last year can be attributed to Bill Peters not being afraid to change the lineup. Not being able, not being afraid to make in-game adjustments? In-game adjustments. What a shock. Here's his exact quote on Lucic yesterday. He said, I also see him, some, see him playing some shifts with Johnny and Monty. And this part I don't really like, but I mean, I guess maybe he's just talking. I think now we have that dimension that when Johnny's getting the sticks broke across his hands, that maybe there's a guy that can play right wing and we can put an end to that. I don't really subscribe to that, but yeah, whatever. You know what? And I mean, that's been coming up quite a bit. It seems to be a a topic of debate. People are on both sides of the fence. Um, I don't know. It's like the game. and, And you know what? Good for Klein or whoever it was. He asked Bill Peters straight up. He mentioned that. You know, that's a topic that some people don't believe in anymore due to the lesser role of the enforcer these days. And Bill, he said, yeah, that the game is going in that direction, but it's still a factor today. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and he also did mention that he sees him on power play too. I don't know if I'm in love with that. Well, give it a try. I mean, he's, he's obviously played power play in the past. So if, if you need a, if, if the Flames are going to go with, we're going to put a guy in front, we need a body in there. I guess. I mean, I don't know. he's a hard body to move. He covers a lot of vision for the goalie, so I don't mind him in that role. We'll see how he does. We'll see, I guess. Okay, Milan Lucic. So this is the deep dive into Milan Lucic. This is the deep dive into Milan Lucic. I don't know. Like, I can't believe we never thought to do it sooner. It's an obvious next choice. Well, it's pretty interesting. Like, I mean, if you've listened to the previous ones, you know. And again, being a fan, I can tend to get pretty emotional. So there was like those two podcasts we did on him and I was just like, but today what we're going to try to do is not completely, but we're going to try to separate all the emotion, all the contract implications out and just like look at what this guy is as a hockey player. Yeah. If anything, we'll try and reduce the whole contract implication to an absolute minimum. Yeah, I'm sure it'll come up because it's always like an asterisk whenever I'm talking about him, but we'll try. I'll try. I'll do my best. Yeah. So we're going to deep dive on Milan Lucic, the player. So shoots left. Born in 1988, so he's 31 years old. Just turned 31. Here's me. This guy is so damn old, he's literally two years older than me. He's old. Now, <laughs> especially when we're talking... We keep talking about how the game's getting younger and younger, especially... You know what? The defenseman in the goaltending position hasn't tra- changed it hasn't as drastically. Seen that trend. Yeah, exactly. But as far as 
these forwards, you get these superstars coming in and they're on 18, 19, 20, and yep. they're just dominating the league. So as far as forwards, the, the drop-off seems to literally be 30 years old. Yeah, I, don't, I would even say it starts, like 28, starts at 28. Yep. That's what the trending is starting to show. So the fact that this guy just turned 31, and what's the remainder on his contract? How many years? Four. And it's pretty much buyout proof? Pretty much. So we said we wouldn't get into the contract, but look at us. We're already four minutes in and we're into the well, contract. It's impossible not to. Yeah, and if you if you track his decline, and I know we'll get into his stats kind of year by year here, but literally his uh, age 29 season is the season where he doesn't fall off a cliff but declines significantly. And then last year, his 30-year-old season falls off a cliff. So, yeah. so not a good sign if you're looking at trends. Um, and I, yeah, it, it's just another... One of those things where you look at the player swap and you're just like, truly, what are you doing? How bad was James Neal for the organization? Anyways, we're going to try and nip it in the bud right there and keep going. Put a so, Lucic, 6'3", 231. The guy is a monster. Guaranteed his, he's walking around at bigger than 231. The guy is a monster. Now, like we said, the game has shifted so much in a matter of 5 to 10 years that... What is the role of a monster? What is the role like of this you, big guy? If you can't keep up with the speed of the game now, do you even belong in the game? Well, we saw from James Neal. How slow was James Neal last year? It was like, that dude cannot keep up with Gaudreau and Monaghan. Like, it's like he wasn't even... It's like he didn't even skate. Yeah, I know. He was just gliding around. It's and just like, so weird. Like, Yeah, what is the role of a guy who's big and can't skate? Probably isn't much of one. So, so far, we're not off to a good start. I don't think... Any of these metrics and stuff, the age and the size are not boding well, but we're going to try and pull some positive out of it. Well, we'll get into it when we kind of go back to his years in Boston and stuff. But Yeah. I mean, the guy has had a successful career, so... Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So he knows how to play hockey. He knows what he needs to do to be effective. It's just a matter of can he still execute that at that age. Can his lack of speed... Is there anything he brings? Can he compensate for his complete lack of speed and seemingly the massive decline with age? Can he compensate that with anything? Can he bring anything to the table? Should we start with the report card again? Yeah. Okay, so I changed the, the scoring metric just from a score of 1 to 5. 5 being absolutely excellent, 1 being absolutely poor. And so we'll go through these categories. Size and strength. His size and strength. is huge. I but got him as a 4.1, but that that concerns me. His size and strength I know. is what's concerning. He's like too big. He's way too big. He's too slow. The only reason why he's too big is the speed factor. Yeah. So that's going to be something to watch for and just see how he keeps up with the pace of the game because if he can't keep up, like how is this going to go down? I don't understand it. Well, again, like we saw with James Neal, that was the most noticeable thing last year and why he was so bad. He could not keep up. Like, he couldn't keep up with the play. Like, remember the overtime goal against Colorado? He was dogging it. But, I mean, still, he's he's way back on his back check because yeah. he can't keep up with the avalanche. So I think, like, Lucic, I mean, he's he's just a, he's a big guy. But I would honestly, if I was him, bulk, try and bulk down to 215. Try and work on your foot speed. I mean, I don't know what he's been doing all offseason, but it's too late to start now. But hopefully he's been trying to factor that into well okay so i haven't read much about this but i guess he has been actually working with adam oates who i actually really respect and adam oates i think focuses pretty heavily on skating right yeah and so like again you hear this narrative all the time with guys like this it's like oh he's in the best shape of his life he's training hard it's like yeah no shit he's a professional athlete so yeah. i don't know oh, how much yeah. credence to give I think that i made a joke i was like just once i want to hear the guy's in terrible shape <laughs> 
And then I realized, oh wait, that's Phil Kessel every summer. <laughs> or Rasmus Anderson, remember the camp the time he came to camp? Yep. Out of shape. Okay, next on the list, skating. 3.0. He's not st- And is that generous to you? Maybe that is generous. Maybe it's closer to 2.8. He is slow. The thing is, is that the reason why I gave him at least a 3 is because I think his hockey sense keeps him in the play enough mentally, but maybe physically is where he can't keep up. So 3 out of 5. Yeah, that's... Yeah, speed, foot speed is probably the... Well, not probably. Foot, foot speed is the biggest concern. Yep. So if you're a player and you know that's your concern, that's, that's what you should be focusing on in the offseason... There's a lot of stuff you can do uh, in the gym or on the field to increase foot speed. I'll be curious. You know how they're introducing that player tracking soon? Yeah. Do you remember the All-Star game when they're telling you how fast the guy's skating? Yep. Average speed and stuff. That'll be super interesting. Do you think they're going to do that this year? They're rolling out with that? I think it's this year, isn't it? I'm not too sure. I think it's this year. It's definitely next year. But you know what? That's going to take this analytics thing to a whole other oh, level. Oh, it's going to be unbelievable. It'll be very cool. I think I think it is being deplo- uh, debuted next year, but I'm pretty sure it'll... I don't I don't think the information will be public. I'm not 100% sure on that. I'll have to check into that. Okay. That, that's kind of... That's interesting. Yeah. Okay, next category, shot and scoring. I got him at a 3.5. I mean, if it was if we were talking Lucic five years ago, I probably would have ranked him higher. 4.2 yeah. maybe. But based on his, his previous two seasons, 3.5 is where I'm slotting him right now. I mean, he's decent. He's been decently okay creating offense in his career. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, even if you look at his goal totals, like, not pretty good. If there was, like, those middle range years where he's a consistent 20 goal scorer. Yep. He was getting a lot of volume of shots. Last year, interestingly enough, he had, like, no volume of shots. It was under, in terms of shot attempts, it was his lowest um, year since the lockout shortened year in, like, 2013 or whatever it was. Okay. And this is going to be a, a topic of focus today is how much of Lucic, you know, struggle Sucking. last year was what can be accounted for the team struggling so hard. Yeah. And that's what we're going to try and we're going to separate and, out today yeah. and figure it out. Is there team metrics that suggest that, okay, it's, you can't just say Lucic had the worst. Like the Oilers sucked last, last two yeah. seasons. They were abysmal. Totally. So we're kind of hoping it's maybe like reverse James Neal situation where he was a really terrible player on a really good team where maybe Milan Lucic is let's say an, an okay player on a really terrible team. So That's a that's kind of a best case scenario. Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay, puck handling, got him at three point one. Do you see that video somebody posted? He's playing in summer league and he dangled the goalie the other day. No. It's pretty nice. Yeah, I mean, he's shown that he's got hands. He's got a propensity to score. He knows how. To, he knows how to get the job done. He's done it before. Yeah, he's, he's had a successful career outside of the last two years. He's had almost two hundred NHL goals in his career, so he can score goals. You guys, know what he's doing? Yeah. Well, like, like I said, I'm just reporting him based on the last where we at, where he's at currently. Yeah. Okay. Physical play four point eight, four point eight out of five. Yeah. And you know. What we keep hearing is that's why Tree Living made the move. I guess. is because of his score in this category. The guy can play physical. He knows how to play a physical brand of hockey. Yeah. And, and I, he's done it to an effective, to be effective in his career. Yeah. And I mean, everybody focuses on the fighting, but um, yeah, I think more, I think if you're hearing from like Tree Living, it's more the fact that he does play physical. Which is a good sign. Yeah. Because if it's like, well, we're bringing it, we need an enforcer. Yeah. I mean, the for, the enforcer is, is at least two him. years removed from the league now. Like, he fights more than the average guy, but he's definitely not like a fourth line enforcer plug that we're kind of used to, who literally has zero hockey ability, so. And let's just hope that we're not going to see any dumb penalties. He does struggle with that, though. Yeah, because. I have a few stats there, on that. There's one thing that really. Yeah. 
grinds my drives gears. Drives me nuts. It's well, see, that's the, that's kind of my one of my retorts to the oh, when Johnny Gaudreau gets slashed, Lucci's gonna go kill him, and then he gets a penalty, and then we have to kill a penalty. No yep. thanks. We're, well, we'll we'll soon enough see how effective this deterrent hypothesis works. I reject the deterrent hypothesis. So physical play, that I mean, obviously, is the highest score he's getting. Yeah. Um, some people say he's the toughest guy in the league. I've heard that multiple times. Um, maybe maybe Tom Wilson is up there. Ryan Reeves. I'd like to see Reeves and Lucic throw down. I think he could beat Will. Okay. Again, I I I don't like. I love fighting. I'd like to. See <laughs> I like a, watching hockey fights. So I would like to see a, a fight between Lucic. You and know, honestly, Evander Kane. Yes. And Lucic. That'd be pretty sweet. And I'd like to see Lucic. I saw a, a video. I think it was today. Lucic getting one punched. Yeah. So I mean, everybody has their bad day in a fight, but Evander Kane, if he can be deterred for that guy, pull him off his game. I mean, so he's I, now scoring eight goals against us in right? two games. I'm not the I'm not the biggest proponent of fighting in professional hockey, but I do love me hockey fights. So yeah. you can't deny it's it's awesome. It's pretty entertaining. It's entertaining. Yeah, especially if. You know what's not... Can you not... imagine a San Jose Sharks showdown where uh, Bennett's fighting, Lucic's fighting? Come on, you're not entertained by that? A meaningless fight is not as entertaining no. as if there's a fight with meaning. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and the Flames... I mean, the guys on the Flames that do that, Sam Bennett, Sam Matthew Bennett. Kachuk, those Kachuk. guys are only fighting in meaningful fights, so I hope Lucic doesn't bring a dumb element yeah. into this, but... Totally. Okay. Offensive play. I got him at a 4.0. I mean, he's okay, right? Because even if you're looking at his analytics, which we'll get into... Yep. Across the board, he's he's actually kind he's of not bad at driving play. And there's some cate- like, like some categories bad. he's yeah, very not good. bad or surprisingly good. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. I mean Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Defensive play got him coming in at three point eight. Yeah, that's the other thing, right? Like his possession metrics indicate that when he's on the ice, generally they're getting they're generating more chances than the opposition is, so that's that's certainly positive in comparison to James Neal, who every time he was on the ice, the team is getting pretty much dominated. So, Hockey Sense 3.0 as well. Yeah. I feel like his potential upside is as much as a 4.2. It really just depends on... I mean, the challenge for this guy, and maybe that's the same with when you get to a certain age, mm-hmm. is how can you adjust as your body adjusts? Yeah. Like Again, you- like what else is he going to bring, seeing that he's not fast and that... the if not physicality, what else is he going to bring to the team? I mean, you can take a look at a guy like Wayne Gretzky. He wasn't fast. He wasn't extremely skilled enough, high skill level. He wasn't, you know, physically. I mean, he's probably on the weaker end of the physical thing, but he was his hockey sense. I could probably beat him was, in Tom Russell. Yeah, he had the best hockey sense of all time. Yeah. So, and that's that means you can play later in your career because you can you're, you can. Smart your way through your physical maturation, you know. So we'll see how Lucic adjusts. Like I'm coming in at 3.8 and competitiveness, 3.8 based on the last two years. It's like he kind of gave up. Who wouldn't in Edmonton? <laughs> well, that seems to be the, the the theme. Even Connor's give. Imagine if Connor hadn't given up. Would Every time I see Connor and David, he looks like he's sick. Wouldn't you be sick if you were yes. Connor? Yes. Yeah. If you live, he's in like Edmonton, always red. He's always looks like disheveled and just terrible. Somebody, you know what? He needs to get a good night's sleep. He needs to get some good food. A nice home cooked meal. <laughs> nice home cooked meal, and somebody needs to tell him that it's gonna be okay, and that he should stop scoring on us so much. Yeah, just take it easy. Yeah. All right, you want to get in some analytics? 
Okay, yeah, how do we want to go about this? Do we want to get into his strengths or what do we want to do here? Okay, this actually will segue in. So some of the strengths, he's got some good 5-on-5 five -five possession analytics. Yeah, not bad. So if you look at, like, his scoring has really taken a, a nosedive. But, I mean, his Corsi and scoring chance possession metrics are actually pretty good. And they rank second on the team for Oilers who have played 200 games in the last whatever behind only Connor McDavid. That's crazy. That's so weird. I guess that maybe reflects how bad, like, but that includes guys like Dreisaitl and yeah. um, Nugent Hopkins and guys like that. So, I mean, his possession metrics have not been too bad. That's one thing that hasn't declined at all. Yeah, for sure. So, if you look at his uh, last year alone, and he had a really bad last, he was really bad last year, but his on-ice expected goals individually was 8. Compare that to some guys in the Flames, James Neal was 7.94. So he'd be kind of in like the Sam Bennett, David, or uh, Derek Ryan area okay. in terms of like generating scoring chances. So not too, again, not too bad. Okay. The only thing I will note from last year specifically was that his shot volume decreased quite a bit. Um, it was, so his, his uh, shot attempts last year, so Corsi 4, 864 shot attempts last year compared to the year previous where he had 1188. Okay. And the year previous, 1,152. So he, for some whatever reason last year, he wasn't getting a lot of shots towards the net. But in his career, he has shown the ability to produce a lot of shot volume. So we'll see where that goes. I'm really curious. Well, probably part of that's due to him being bumped down to a lesser role. Yeah, it could be. Probably lesser playing time. Mm -hmm. And even when Hitchcock came in, I think that the team oh, I as a whole... Oh, I Hitchcock, eh? The team as a whole wasn't so offensively focused. Yeah. So... That might all take into consideration. I mean, the interesting thing about this is if you go back the prior year, not last year, the year before. Yeah. Like, what was the difference? Because the team, the Edmonton Oilers, the you know three years ago, they were good. They yeah, made the playoffs. So, they got they got past the first round, right? Yeah, they got into, they got to game seven of the second round. And then all they were the cup. They were like cup favorites. I know coming into the following year. Yeah, I mean, McDavid and Talbot, everybody thought they were going to win the division for and sure. They blew it. They, they tanked. They dropped off, so they had the 2016-2017. They had 103 points and made it to Game 7 of the second round. Yeah. In 2017-2018, 78 points. Wow. They went from 47 wins to 36 wins. So they just tanked. Man. So, and I, it's like we're not... We're going to focus too much on the Oilers, but yeah. how do you pinpoint, how do you put your finger on what happened? Like, I mean, it's obviously a combination of a lot of things. Did they go through two coaches since then? No. They, they had kept, McClellan. They kept McClellan through yeah. that whole season, yeah. and then he was gone early last season. And I, I don't know, like, what happened? So, like, if you just a quick peripheral look at it, so one thing that could be the factor is is goaltending slash defensive play. Yeah. Because their defense is not very good. Well, if you look across the league, I think the Oilers, they stand out as like a team that really struggles defensively. And so if Cam Talbot doesn't stand on his head that year, and he was fourth in Vesna voting. Which he, the reason, okay, a lot of people will say the reason the Edmonton Oilers made to the playoffs was the play of Cam Talbot. So if you, everything's equal, so that year their save percentage, their team save percentage was 914, so pretty good. They allowed 207 goals that year. Compare that to the next year, 2017-2018, allowed 262 goals, yeah. and save percentage was 901. That's almost a full goal higher per so game. So the league average 
goals against, they were they they let over yeah, it is. It's like sixty more goals almost. Yeah. So they were well below league average in goals against and save percentage the year that they tanked and compared like, to the previous year. And you're seeing this. Goaltenders can't play seventy plus games anymore. No, they can't. Especially in the West. You got all the extra travel. So well, how many games did Talbot play that year? I guarantee he played like a, sh- a he, ton. He, he played over seventy. Did he really? Yeah, pull that up. But that's, that's holy cow. Yeah. So Cam Talbot in 2016, 2017, the year they made it to the second round, he played seventy three games. Yeah. And holy I, cow. And I wonder how much of that is a contributing factor to his his struggle the next year. Seventy three games and thirteen playoff games, and he was quite good in the playoffs too. So yeah. Yeah, that that could be a huge thing. Yeah, because he played. He he was counted on to start for sixty seven games the following year. I mean, yep. that's a huge workload. That's enormous. That's, and and not only that, but you've seen it in in Anaheim last year. Yeah. Right. You had Gibson. He was the only reason why Anaheim was staying afloat in the first twenty games of the season, and then he couldn't he couldn't maintain it anymore. It's just too much when you have all the weight of the entire team on your shoulders as a goaltender. Yep. I mean, yeah, Talbot. Did that for a season. He was on lights out. So yep. does his head. I mean, it's almost impossible unless you're a machine to maintain, you know, carrying that type of energetic workload. So I would say probably their their and this was what everybody was saying, right? Their weakness is on defense. Yeah. And for some reason they they let Jordan they traded Jordan Amberley for nothing. So they lost some scoring depth on their second line, and their defense continued to be quite bad. Didn't so do any better. Combine those two things with Cam Talbot coming back down to earth, yeah. and you probably have a recipe for a, a, fall, a pretty big fall down the standings. Absolutely. So they, they didn't score nearly as much. They were way more leaky defensively, and their goaltending wasn't world class. And then, and then, I think mentally, the team and the organization just they fell apart. Because yeah. I mean, look at last season; they were even worse. They were terrible last year. Like, let's just pull it up here. You know, Ala getting a new, getting a coaching firing, coaching change. I guess they had one more point, but one fewer win than the year previous. So they had 35 wins and 79 points last year. Yeah. Like, holy cow. So save, again, maybe the defense is probably a factor in this. So goals allowed, they allowed 271 goals last year. Wow. League average was 244. Yeah. And their save percentage, their team save percentage was 896. League, league average was 905. Now, to bring things back, the reason why we go into this, holy, what are we trying to decipher here is that it's not Lucic's fault. No. It's not Talbot's fault. So I think what we're trying to do is synthesize the information. Okay, we have some... We have some metrics, some like possession metrics that suggest Lucic has been playing okay. But on the, a terrible on team. On a terrible team. So how do we reconcile this? How do we move forward with a guy who has been showing some signs of life on a really bad team? So that's kind of why we're talking about this. Yeah. Okay, back to his strengths. Do you have any more analytics possession numbers you want to go over? Um, stuff? I have a few, but let, we can get to them after. Okay. Another strength... Look at his pedigree. I mean, this guy has shown to be a good to great player during pretty much the majority of his career, save for the last two seasons. Well, even his first season in Edmonton, yeah. he scored, what, over 20 goals? Well, we were looking at it because we were like, okay, let's look at how bad this guy has been. And it's really only been, even just last year, when he really fell off. So his first year in Edmonton, which was that 2016-2017 season, he had 23 goals and 50 points. Yeah. That is, like, not too bad. That's a solid season. That's right where you would expect him to slot into. Yeah, and the year previous with L.A., he had 20 goals. 
Um, 55 points? Yeah, going back to Boston, he was a pretty consistent 20-goal guy. Like, his career high was 30 in 2011. Um, but, I mean, he is... It's really... like So, the 2017-2018, he dropped off to 10 goals and 34 points. And then last year, 6 goals and 20 points. So, throughout his career, outside of the last two years, he's been a pretty consistent player. Yep. And the guy has played... He has a lot of playoff experience. Every, every year, except when? Like the last two almost, probably? It looks like the last year that the Bruins, they missed the playoffs before he went to the Kings. Oh, right. The Bruins missed a few years. But yeah, pretty much, save for the last two years in Edmonton and the, the last year being on the Bruins, he's played uh, almost 12 seasons in the playoffs. It's crazy. And he's contributed. And he hasn't suffered very... He, he's like suffered no injuries. He's played full seasons. I think the 2009 year, he maybe had an injury because he only played 50 games. But, I mean, literally, it's like 77, 72, 79, 81. Uh, 2013 was the lockout, so 46. But, I mean, he's he's pretty durable. Yep. And if you want to look at his point production across the board, so first year in the league, 27 points, 8 goals. Second year, 42, 17 goals. He, Like you said, the third season, he had an injury, only played 50 games, but he, 9 goals, 20 points. It's like 40 points. Followed that by his career high, which is 62 points with 30 goals. Crazy. Fourth season. That's the year they won the cup, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah, it is because they've had twenty games played. Yeah, twenty eleven. Yeah. Yeah, and then fall. Yeah, and like, how effective was he against that Vancouver series? He was great. Honestly, that was probably one of the best finals. He had he had some selkie. That yeah, that was a great. That final. I remember. That's watching. probably the last classic Stanley Cup final, right? Yeah. Like, that's the last one I can really remember as being great. I guess Pittsburgh and Detroit was pretty fun, too, but... That was before that, though. Was it? Yeah. I guess the L.A. run was neat to watch. Yeah, but that was so boring because they were so dominant, and they beat the Rangers and the Devils in the cup final. Yeah. The cup final is usually not great, but, I mean, that's really the last one I remember as an absolute classic. Yeah. So he followed that with another 61-point season, another 26-goal season. Like, the guy can score. Yeah. The guy can score. He can score. He can score goals. He missed another half season the following year, but then after that, um, 60 points, another 24-goal season, another 18-goal season. Went to LA, another 20-goal season. First year as an Oiler, 23 goals. It's crazy. So, so yeah, and what like, we're trying to say here is that on the optimistic side of things, now on the pessimistic side of things, you got the age as a factor. Yeah, and the, the, dec- the huge decline over the past two years. It's coinciding with the age getting up there. Yeah. But if you, you kind of don't look at the age, then you know on the optimistic side of things, he's only really struggled in the past two years on a terrible team. On a really bad team. Because, yeah, that's what's surprising, right? We were like, this guy's terrible. And then if you look at the numbers, like even with the Oilers. So um, here's his, here's his um, kind of like five-on-five five stats. 21 goals. 41 assists, 25 of them primary assists, 62 points um, over the past years with the Oilers, five on five. So his goals, combined assist, primary assists, and point totals all rank within the top six for the Oilers, players who have played 100 games there in the past few years. Yeah. Top six. Yeah. So I don't know if that speaks to how bad they have been and how and many not- poor players they have, but it's not like he's like this terrible, horrible anchor in like, Edmonton. And I mean, maybe it's one of these things where you're... There's always a scapegoat. Yeah. And, I mean, probably due to how much he's getting paid. And we're going to try and stay yeah, away from the contract. Trying to, we're trying to divorce we're that. Try and, it's so hard to separate the two so because hard. they're so intertwined. But he doesn't deserve to be a scapegoat no. outside of how much they're paying him. Again, if this contract had been 
just one last thing. If Tree Living had got Lucic on a the the no move clause is nullified and f- like fifty percent retained, yeah, I probably wouldn't be too upset. No, because but the thing is, is that that's you're you're sending trash back to yeah, the other way. Exactly. So I mean, yeah. So anyways, so yeah, and like we said, like despite the fact that his scoring numbers have and his counting stats have like really dropped off the past two years, he has remained like a positive differential player, right? Like. In terms of possession, his Corsi 4 percentage, 51.1. That's fourth among players who have played 100 games in Edmonton. And again, second behind only McDavid from players who have played 200 games in Edmonton in the last few years. Yeah. No, it's a really it's a really interesting thing because I think the nature of where that team and organization is at right now, the struggles they're facing, really factors into this player's performance. Yeah, and if anybody's just like curious of like, okay, well, what does being a solid possession player mean? Essentially, what it means is that you're driving play and you're creating more than you're giving up. So when you're on the ice, the team is better and having more offensive chances as opposed to getting like hemmed in your own zone and crushed, which is what you see with a guy like James Neal. Yeah. Okay, next uh, strength I have is this. I, I have, I call, I'm calling it perceived physicality. Yeah. Okay. And the reason why is because there's, uh, to me and to you two, there's a question mark about how effective yeah. that physicality will be. Now, the GM has gone out there and said it. Even the coach has gone the out there and said it, it now. that they need to be more physical. They yes. need more physicality. So, listen, if they have a game plan and they have a vision for their team and that's what they're saying they need, I'm okay with it. I want to yep. see how it plays out. We have our question marks around it. Yeah. Right? Again, like you said, if they have a vision for the team that involves a, a physical player like Lucic, then let's see. But I don't... Generally, to me, when they say, oh, we just need to get more physical and more tough, it's like a Band-Aid, like, low-resolution thought of how to improve the team, right? It's like, oh, this guy's big and hits, and fans like to see that, so yeah. they'll be happy. I mean, the upside to that is that it's not a Ryan Reeves where he doesn't actually contribute much production-wise. Like, Lucic has great numbers throughout his career. Other than the past two years. So, so not that's only- why he's been such a unique player in, the, in his career. Yeah. He is such like a big brute, but he yeah. can also score goals. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. I think the biggest factor of which side of the fence he'll be on come the end of next season is going to be that age. Yeah, it, for sure. Because if his age has, in fact, been part of this major drop-off, then I don't know if he's going to have a resurgence. Yeah. Like, again, everything is pointing to there's no way this guy is coming back in terms of like Asian curves and the past two seasons and his foot speed. So like pretty much everything is not in his favor at this point. Anything that is, is what we're trying to give you guys right now. We're trying. Okay. Another strength is the playoff experience. Yeah. Like something the team needs. When you go through winning a Stanley cup and he's been to another final as well with Boston, everything in your psyche changes because you know what it takes to win. Like, getting over that hump of winning, I mean, not many teams and players win Stanley Cups. Like, like when was the last time we won? 89. Oh, my God. It just 30. doesn't happen. It doesn't happen every it doesn't year. It happen every day. So, the fact that someone's been through it, knows what it takes, um, it changes you. It changes your psyche automatically. You become a winner. You're yep. a champion, right? So, I feel like that that's nice to have. Some people might say it's a little overrated, the whole experience thing. But Yeah, again, come- like, if I'm looking at this as a... 
if I'm analyzing this, paying a guy 5.25 million for physicality and playoff experience is ridiculous. But I'm trying not to get into that. Okay. <laughs> and then the last strength I have here is he's shown he's a playoff performer. He's shown he's shown up in playoffs. Well, yeah, even and in the year the Oilers um, went to the playoffs, he was pretty good. And that seems to be the biggest question mark surrounding this Calgary Flames team is do they have what it takes to win in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Like, do they know how to do it? So maybe there's some benefit there as well. I know people were saying the same thing about James Neal, and that was a total flop. Mr. Playoff, eh? Mr. Playoff. I mean, James Neal, has he won a cup? Uh, I no, he, I don't made, think he has. He's made it to the three finals. So he's James, been to the final, I know, with Pittsburgh. He's been there with Nashville. He's been there with Vegas. I don't think he's won a cup. Okay. Anyways, areas for improvement. We've covered already foot speed and quickness. Yep. Is he too big? Is he too slow? Is he outdated? Exactly. Is he... Because that's what we're trying to figure out. Because he's not getting... He's probably not getting any faster. And if the physicality is the one element you point to with his game, like, what else does he bring? Does his... Is his playing style... Can he still... Can he play in the NHL? The thing that I like is the met, is the possession metrics because it shows that he can still help yep. contribute offensively. Exactly. At the very least, when he's on the ice, it's not hurting your team. Right. Five on five, anyways. So that's <laughs> that's a positive, right? The last question there is, can he play in this league? The league has changed. And, yep. it, and it is still evolving and changing and still swinging for sure still, it hasn't stopped getting younger yet no like seriously and it's always changing like we were just even talking the other day about like how do we account for the age the seemingly defensemen aren't aging at the same rate that forwards are so there's a there's always things that can change you know so maybe you see something like this where it's like okay now a lot of teams don't have a guy like lucic it's like a market inefficiency maybe now it's kind of the pendulum swings the other way and it becomes somewhat of a commodity yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, so my last little question here is, has the game passed him by? Yeah. Or can he still find a way to be an effective player in the quote-unquote new NHL? For sure. And there's... Hit, listen, the age... I, I could say... argue. Someone could argue he can play till he's 35. Yep. How, how old was Jerome McGinley when he retired? 38. So if... if Maybe if, 39. If you can still think the game and keep up to a certain degree... You can probably, even 34, 35-ish, um, you can still play in the league. So the only players that can do that, though, are the guys that can adjust mentally. Because if they are if they can't adjust physically, if it's too done. late, yeah. then you have to be able to late. make the mental adjustment. Yeah. I feel like maybe he can do that because he has shown how to, he knows how to produce. He knows yeah. how to contribute offensively. Mm-hmm. So a guy like that, you don't lose that ability to think the game that way. So, so if he can even remotely keep up physically, then maybe there's a chance he can remain a somewhat effective player. And again, contract aside. So, yeah, and just like, let's look at, I'm going to just pull up a few more analytics here, just because you were talking about like, has the game passed him by? Can he still be an effective player? So one thing that a lot of people have kind of pointed to, how has he played with McDavid? Because that's kind of... On the peripheral um, look at it, you're like, well, if you're playing with McDavid and you're not putting up numbers... What's wrong with you? What is wrong with Alex Chason, how many goals did he have last year? Right? Chason had like over 20 goals. I've often said this. You're probably probably sick of me saying this, but if you can't go to the net... With your stick on the ice. And let the puck hit your stick and go into an empty net. Yeah. 
Because that's pretty much happened to me if you're playing McDavid. Totally. You're getting 10 goals from that. So anyways, last year, interestingly enough, he didn't. He spent very little time with McDavid. So on five, five on five, he played just 98 minutes with Connor McDavid. This is about one minute and 15 seconds of shared ice time per game. So it's absolutely nothing. So that could be account for some of his statistical drop-off for sure. And I honestly think that there's a Hitchcock factor in there too. Yeah, there could because be. You look I, at, I always forget about him. You look at a team and struggling the way they did. They struggled so hard that they had to fire their coach mid-season. Yeah. That's always tough on a team. That's your, you're at your lowest of your lows. Yeah. And so then you bring in a guy that's more defensive-minded. I mean, the whole team is struggle in that area. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I think there's a Hitchcock factor there, too. I don't think last season is a really good reflection of where he's at as a player. Yeah. I think we can expect maybe more what he was two seasons ago, um, which was he scored 10 goals, 24 yeah. assists. So, hey, if he comes in and scores 15 goals... He can get 20, 25 assists. If he gets 10 goals, I will be thrilled. Yeah. If he, if, okay, <laughs> let's just say he repeats what he did two years ago. Yeah, 10 I'm, goals, 25 assists, 35 great. points. Amazing. I think I agreed to buy a Milan Lucci's jersey of that. I think you did. You have it on audio. It's recorded. <laughs> so maybe his 2016, 2017 year could be attributed to playing with McDavid because that's when he played with him the most, was in his first season. Um, but it was still only five minutes average a game. Like five and a half minutes time on ice, five on five with McDavid per game. So he just hasn't played a lot with McDavid. Yeah, so what's interesting to note is that McDavid, and again, these are just possession metrics, so it's not actual like production. But what's really interesting is if you look at their with or without you charts, so over the past three years, McDavid has actually been better on the ice when Lucic is there. No. Like some of them are very minuscule, but I mean, look at his scoring chances for percentage. With Lucic, McDavid's scoring chance for percentage, 55.19. Without Lucic, 51.65. Wow. His high danger, course for percentage, 57.21, McDavid and Lucic. McDavid without Lucic, 53.09. Wow. Very interesting. That is very interesting. So... There's a lot of analytics to show that Lucic has the game hasn't passed him by yet, yeah. so we'll see what happens. So that's encouraging it that is. when he was on McDavid's line, he was helpful and not an anchor. Like again, like when you look yeah. at what James Neal did to any line he was on last year, he was instantly that line was not as effective. So that's and, encouraging. And we're not just looking at one stat here. You're pulling up different stats that are corroborating yeah. this that he's he's a contributor. He's not an anchor. Exactly. So that's that's encouraging. Yeah. And then, like, I mean, still, like, just if we quickly do, like, one more quick little peripheral, uh, I keep using that word today, peripheral, I don't know. I don't mind it. (laughs) So, like, if you look at the difference between him and Neil, because that's kind of what you have to do, right? That's where we're at. Obviously, Tree Living needed to get rid of Neil. So, Neil is better at creating scoring chances. Um, In terms of overall scoring chances, he's quite better. But again, when you look at the on-ice differentials relative to teammates, that's where Lucic is good. He's better at producing shot attempts, shots. When Neil's on the ice, everybody sucks. He drags the team down. So his impact on teammate performance on ice is positive. So that's what you get, and that's that's certainly an upgrade on Neil. So um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Well, that like I said, looks promising. Um, and again, just one quick thing, the power play thing. I don't think he's been very good on the power play, and the analytics suggest that as well. Um, he's been an okay, at best, contributor. Okay. Um, but again, if he's okay at even strength, that's totally fine with me. Yeah. So that's encouraging. Okay. And I feel like at the same time, one of my other points here is, you know, acquiring him at this stage, 
It's a risk, obviously. But you look Con- at even aside from the contract, it's risky. Just the player yeah. acquisition. That he's older and really dropped off. But I feel like that risk is slightly mitigated because the team has depth. And so you're not relying on him for anything, really. No. Anything that he contributes, is I would consider a bonus. Because at this point, he's not coming in to salvage anything. He's not coming in to fill any real big gaps or holes. Yeah. So even if he's just like, these numbers show, he can contribute a bit, chip in. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it might just help. It might help round at the team a bit. We'll see. I hope so. Because I'm sure he was under an enormous amount of pressure in Edmonton. Like, when you're literally, when you're playing with guys like... <laughs> I didn't even know half the guys at Edmonton. Archibald and Nygaard and Sam Gagne and Paul Yarvey and Alex Chason. Like, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yikers. You know, and the other thing is... Kyle Brodziak and... Oh if, boy. if Lucic struggles and you see him fourth line or even watch games from the press box, I don't think it hurts your team. I mean, cause you got guys there that can fill those roles. Well, again, like we said, if you want a summary of this trade, Lucic probably doesn't hurt your team your chance of winning each night as much as James Neal does. Yeah, and to speak to that, this last thing I have here is there's enough depth around a guy like Lucic on a Calgary Flames team that the risk on the reliability of his performance is is mitigated. Yeah. But that's not the same in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. No. They don't have that. So yeah. if Neal is a flop, then there's no one else that can fill that void. No, not at all. So, yeah, the player for player, like Lucic is probably a better fit on the Calgary roster than Neil is. So he can up his shot volume similar to what we've seen over the course of his career. Um, that could be a that could be a great help. Um, and again, something else that I was noticing that was interesting in terms of shooting metrics, his rush attempts ranked fifth on the Oilers and his rebounds created ranked second. So if he's in a like a bottom six role, it's not out of the question for him to be a positive player, right? Yeah. And create chances and drive play somewhat so he can hold his own he can hold his head head above water when he's on the ice especially in like a bottom six role and i think that's much more than what you were getting from james neal who was an absolute nightmare so yeah and then one other thing i did want to mention like we we mentioned it previously was the penalties he is prone to some pretty bad penalties so over three years in edmonton his um individual penalty for and against plus minus was negative 32 so he uh he took 32 more (laughs) penalties than he drew so hopefully we see that maybe curved a little bit i'm hoping that's something i'm hoping because i don't want everybody to get all jacked up on him playing physical and he's just taking all these penalties playing way too rough and now we're killing all these penalties yeah so that would be that could be a problem that kind of seems like bill peters is a no-nonsense guy yeah i don't see him you know giving him a leash to be able to to, to put the team in a jeopardized situation like no. that repeatedly so hopefully that, that he can mitigate that as well yep Okay, backstory. 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 This is Maybe like, we should start with this from now on. I don't know. I kind of like doing it after. Yeah, me too. This is like getting to know the player. If you yeah. made it this far, now you get to know the player a bit. So Lucic grew up in British Columbia. Yeah, he's from BC. He's from BC. Canadian boy. In 2004-2005, this was actually my second year in the BCHL. He played for the Coquitlam Express. He's, he was in my division. We played against each other. Again. I would be scared shitless. He was big. I remember not even play against him. I remember him, him being run big. Into him. I never. Yeah. No. I mean, if 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 he him and I got into a, a physical battle, I would be coming on the losing end Holy for sure. Cow. Um, but my linemate and him actually fought all the time, which is nuts. I think they fought like three or four times that season. He's crazy. 
It seemed like every time we played them, they'd be going toe-to-toe. Yeah. So he captured a Memorial Cup. So basically, he, he jumped from the BCHL to the WHL. He went and played for the Vancouver Giants for yep. two seasons. Hometown team. Hometown team. Uh, his second year, actually, he was basically a point-per-game player. Scored 30 goals, 38 assists. And that was when he, he, he won the Memorial Cup. And he was the tournament MVP. He had a hell of a year. He was selected 50th overall. So he went in the second round of the 2006 NHL entry draft. Made the Bruins roster as a 19-year-old. And then three years later, won the Stanley Cup. Boy, he was pretty young when they won the Cup, eh? Yeah. So here's uh, what I was telling you about before. At age 15, he was diagnosed with Schuber, Schuberman's disease. A condition that can cause the upper back to curve and give a hunched over Weird. Posture. Okay, I'm a dick because I've always noticed that, like that he's kind of hunchy. He's got a disease. Wow, I'm an asshole. But how many people knew that? I mean, it's, well, I'm not going to say it's a fun fact. Interesting fact. You and your fun facts that are real downers, eh? Yeah. So that's a couple extra little additional things to know about Lucic. Fun facts. Yeah, and then I think he was injured in the 2009-10 season. I'm just basing that based off of uh, yeah, he's, he only played. had. I didn't really do any research into that, but yeah. he only played 50 games that year. Yeah. But then the next year, they won the Stanley Cup, and boy, was he good. He had 30 goals again. That's his career high. That's his best year in the NHL. He was 22, scored 30 goals, 62 points. Man, they were they were a good team because, like, Vancouver was – that Vancouver Canuck team was probably the best, the most skilled team since like, Detroit? Since the Red Wings? Yeah. Like the 96, 97, 98. Holy crap, were they skilled. They're probably one of the most skilled teams ever, and Boston beat them. And they were down, remember, they were down 2 to nothing in that series. Right. That was crazy. They won in Game 7. That was a hell of a series. Again, probably the last classic Stanley Cup final. One of my favorite Stanley Cup finals. Yeah. I mean, so. the, what was so satisfying about that was oh, them man. beating Vancouver. Again. Vancouver lighting their city on fire. Again, Carolina and Boston always hold special places in my hearts for beating for beating the Oilers and the Canucks in the Stanley Cup final. Because True that. I don't know what I would have done if those teams would have won. Right. I hate would Kessler still be hearing Burrows. that. Oh, right my now. God. That would be so bad. Anyways, um, they actually did get back to the Stanley Cup final a couple years later in the Lockwood shortened season. Um, and if you remember that, that was pretty nuts because... Chicago. Chicago. Chicago scored two goals in the last minute, won the cup. Crazy. It was absolutely nuts. Anyways. Yeah, yeah and then he, eventually he got traded to the Kings, and he was pretty good in, in L.A. Yeah, they he developed one season. Yeah, they probably should have re-signed him, and then... You know, good old Edmonton. Good old Pichirelli comes in. Hey, Milan. Yeah, they, they, they probably offered him way more than what LA was gonna pay him. It's like, um, what is that? What is that? Have you ever seen the Seinfeld where Kramer goes to get the settlement? No. And they're like, "We'll give you free coffee, and I'll take it." And they're gonna offer him more money, but he just takes the free coffee. <laughs> Peter Charlie's the reverse of that. Right. It's like nobody else even came within the same ballpark. Yeah. It's like, yeah, Milan, we'll give you a three-year deal. Um, probably $5 million a year. Trelly's like, hold my beer. Let's go get this guy locked up for seven years. Anyways. So to summarize, I think what we're saying here is if you if you remove the contract out of the scenario, yeah. this Lucic can be a good addition to the team as long as the age hasn't passed him by. Yeah. And as long as... As long as he can compensate in other areas for his lack of foot speed, which I'm not super confident he can, but... I don't know. Yeah. Well, what do you guys think? We want your opinion. Do you think 
They, the game's passed him by. He's done. We're not going to see much of him. He's not going to have much of an impact. Or do you think that he can actually make the Flames better? Again, taking all the emotion and all the contract implications of it, I know that's hard to do, but is he, is he going to help the team win this season?